Hello folks, we're in a very different spot today. We're not uh, at my kitchen table on a, my Zoom link at the laptop with the webcam in front of me. We are here in Langton's Hotel in Kilkenny for the CatCast 2020. And I want to thank the guys so much for, um, for having me over here. This is the season two, episode 14 of the Alphorn podcast, sponsored by Betfred and produced by Feed Ignite. My guest today was Chris Kamara. Ah, just an absolute legend. We all know Cammy is a legend. He's the kind of guy that just brightens up your day. And uh, what a life he's had. A footballing career that spanned 20 years, managerial career where he got Bradford promoted to the first division. And of course, his prolific career in Sky, which has just given us some fantastic memories over the years. We had a blast. We really did. Cammy had some fantastic stories, especially a brilliant story with him and his good pal Jeff Stelling at the 2002 World Cup in Japan, which I think a lot of the listeners will enjoy. I really enjoyed this one, folks. I hope you do too. And I want to thank the guys with the CatCast for having me here. I really enjoyed myself. So, um, yeah, this is the Alphorn Podcast. Season 2, episode 14, with Chris Kamara. Game on. Get £30 in free bets from Betfred when you sign up and stake a tenner. Football, racing, rugby, boxing. Betfred have markets available on all of the biggest matches, races, fights and more. Download the Betfred app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Or sign up through betfred.com. Game on. 18 plus BeGambleAware.org, UK and Northern Ireland only. First sports bet of £10 and over in one transaction, settled in 60 days. Odds evens, brackets 2.0 and over. £30 free bet paid within 10 hours of bet settlement, 7 day expiry. Payment restrictions apply. SMS validation may be required. Full terms and conditions apply. Please gamble responsibly. Mr. Chris Kamara. Now I need a round of applause there. <laughs> How are you, Chris? Can we hear you there? Hello? <laughs> How's it up? Ah, yes, there he is. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like me to get it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. I wondered why that thing said U-N-M-U-T-E. I had no idea what it was. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we, we'll be doing a bit of Jeff later on, so there, there'll be plenty of room for mistakes as well. Um, but that's that's the beauty of of the Gillette Soccer Saturday as well. So many of those kind of gaffes make it hilarious, you know, and kind of provides, I suppose, a bit of unintentional improv with yourself, Jeff, and the lads. Oh, it's been brilliant, you know. Yeah. Since I started working with Jeff in 1998, that. Yeah, that far back, uh, we hit it off straight away. He's from Hartlepool, I'm from the borough, so we were reminiscing. He used to do um radio teas before he was, you know, famous. I'd yeah. have to say he was famous in the borough, but he wasn't really famous anywhere else. So I knew of him, yeah. Uh, so we got on straight away, and uh, you know, we just decided then that we were pals. We decided to travel to watch England all over the, um, Europe and the world, to be honest. We went to European Championships and World Cups together. Uh, I remember the first time we did it. It was in Japan in 2002. Mm. And uh, Jeff, I said to Jeff, do you fancy going to the World Cup? And he said, yeah, he said, 
but I'll have to ask Liz. So I said, right, I'll go back and tell my wife that you've asked me to go and you go and tell Liz that I've asked you to go and it'll be good for our relationship for the show and everything. Uh, and we ended up going. We had such a wonderful time. And I have to say, Al, he should have been locked up in Japan. <laughs> Why is that? Uh, well, it, his wife, Liz, um, has always wanted to go to Japan. So when Jeff went home and said, uh, uh, I'm going to Japan with Cammy to watch uh, England and the Republic of Ireland were over there as well. So we did both lots of games. Mm. Um, she said, it's a long way to go. And I've always wanted to go there. So she said, if you go to Japan... Don't just go for the football. So he said, well, what else is there? She said, I love the temples in Kyoto. So he said, he rang me up and he said, after England play uh, Argentina in Sapporo, do you think we could get the bullet train to Kyoto? I can take a few pictures of the temples, tell Liz I've been there, and then she'll be fine for the rest of the trip. So I said, yeah, no bother. So we did that. We had a great night as England fans. David Beckham scored the goal, beat Argentina 1-0. Yeah. And we got the bullet train the next day to Kyoto. So we get there about four o'clock in the afternoon. We go to see one temple. We then go to see another temple. Now, I'm not a great sightseer on stuff like that. You've seen one, you've seen them all. So eventually Jeff says, should we do one more? And I can take the pictures to send back to Liz. So I said, okay. So we did the third one. So then we go back to uh, where we're staying in Kyoto to find a hotel. So he says, well, let's go and find a restaurant, get someone to eat, which we mm. did. Uh, it's now about 9.30. We've got to be open out the door 10 o'clock the next day. So he says, um, after we've had the meal, do you fancy one more beer? And I said, well, there's nowhere open, Jeff. And he said, oh, look, there's a light down there about 400 yards away. So we went down, and luckily enough, it was a bar. Okay. So we goes in, orders a beer, and these Japanese kids that were probably around age between 20 and 25, they've got, you know, the, the lazy Susie that you get in the Chinese restaurant where you mm. share the food. They've got one of them on the table with the car keys in and they spin it round and whoever it lands on has got to drink their beer. So uh, they don't understand any English, but, you know, when you've had a few beers and stuff like that, joining in games, no problem. So I convince them to let me and Jeff join in. Yeah. So we join in and they start spinning it round, And I've quickly realised that I can ease my body forward and stop this lazy Susie on Jeff. So every time it stops on Jeff, he's got to drink his beer. <laughs> so eventually, after about four or five goals, he's had enough, come here, I've got to go, I'm seeing stars in here now. I said, well, I'm here, Jeff. <laughs> so he says, no, 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 I'm drunk, I'm drunk. So I says, okay, let's go. So he goes outside and... We go outside and we've got no idea where the hotel is. So he looks that way, he looks the other, and said, I think it's that way, and falls back onto a Harley Davidson bike. 
with the big ammo bars. And slow motion, Al, it's falling towards the back of a Nissan. Oh. And the handlebars go straight through the back windscreen. Oh, no. So we did what all good citizens should do. Yeah. We ran. <laughs> <laughs> so we've ran. So now we've been doing uh, bits of training while we'd been in Japan. And I actually hopped quicker than Jeff could run on yeah. one of the training sessions. But he beat me back to the hotel. He was there before me. Oh, no, what are we going to do? There's been no trouble by the England fans. We're going to get arrested. And I went, oh, Jeff, no one will know it's us. And he went, what are you talking about? There's a six-foot-two black man and a five-foot-four Englishman. (laughs) Everyone's going to know it was us. So I said, oh, don't worry. We're out of the door in the morning. We had a car picking us up at 10 o'clock. So I goes down to breakfast next morning, no Jeff. 10 o'clock comes, no Jeff. The car oh, no. arrives, take us to the airport. So I went to reception, and I hope nobody gets offended by this because it, it's a true story. I went to the uh, reception desk, and uh, I said, is there an internal phone? So they said, yeah, over there. So I phoned Jeff's room. So I went, Mr. Stelling, it's reception here. He goes, oh, yes, oh, yes. Uh, I have police in reception. And he goes, oh, yes. Uh, Apparently, uh, incident in town centre last night with you, uh, big black man. (laughs) And he goes, to be be fair, to be honest, it wasn't the big black man. It it, it wasn't me, mate. It was me. So I went, good, get yourself down here. We've got a taxi waiting to take us to the airport. (laughs) 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 Because you guys did the... um, this is obviously filmed in Kilkenny in Ireland, the Langtis Hotel. And Kilkenny is the home of Hurling in Ireland, the, the, the county of Hurling, pretty much. You did that miniseries with Jeff, I think it was three years ago, the AIB miniseries. What oh, was your was experience brilliant. like, kind of, you know, witnessing the GAA as a whole, like the, the GAA games and the Hurling games? What was that like? Ah, it was brilliant from start to finish. Yeah. Uh, I think we went to Kerry. Uh, the first stop. Yeah. And uh, Mahom uh the famous Michal commentator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he looked after us. What a gentleman uh, yeah. he was. And he gave us, you know, the grassroots side of the game. So we were learning as we went along. Yeah. Uh, and basically, what a fabulous game. What fabulous people. Every night we had a party as well. <laughs> it was absolutely amazing. Uh, but the GAA itself was incredible. I have yeah. to say, what a trip. We loved every second. And then to go to the final, the Dubs won what yeah. was probably one of the most exciting games ever. Yeah. And that poor fella, uh, they played Kerry, did they, in the final, I think. 2017, and, uh, I think. It, yeah, I think it might have been Kerry. I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Kerry had never won it. Uh, had they oh, since. Kerry have won it. Yeah. Oh, Kerry they, have won the most All-Irelands. I think Dublin oh, are oh, they, six or seven behind them. All oh, right. Well, it wasn't Kerry then. Uh, Might have been uh, Mayo. It was Mayo. 
Mayor, oh, believe it or it. not, and they never won it uh, <laughs> because one of the teams still alive. The, uh, is he still alive? That fell. <laughs> it's the curse of Mayo. It, believe it or not, Cammy. It's today. Now this is going to be going out next week, but it is All Ireland football. It's the All Ireland football final today, and Dublin are playing Mayo yet again. And I think oh. Dublin are going to go for the. I think it's the, is it the six in a row. They're gonna go for it today if they, if they win. All right. So yeah, well, listen, well, I'm hoping for heartbreak for Mayo. It's tough on those on those guys. But listen, yeah, I, I just want to talk about yourself because you're obviously the most Christmas the most Christmassy person out there. I mean, you've got the reindeer, you've got the Santa hat on, and you were born on Christmas Day. You've got two brilliant Christmas albums that you brought out, one last year and one this year. Um what was the story with presents on Christmas Day? What 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 was the story with that, Cammy? How did that work? Uh, growing up, it wasn't great. We didn't have okay. a lot of money. Uh, yeah. So to get one present on Christmas yeah. Day was a bonus. Uh, obviously, since that time, since I was 16, I played on Boxing Day for 22 years or managed the team on Boxing Day. So it wasn't a case on, on my birthday. I couldn't mm. have a skin for I'll be honest, don't feel sorry for me because I've made up for it since uh, the last 20, 30-odd years, uh, whatever. But it was very difficult, you know, not to enjoy your birthday. And Christmas Day is everyone else's day, you know, as much as it's your birthday. We set a time aside, 4 o'clock on Christmas Day, where we opened my presents. But Mm. by that time, everyone's full of Christmas turkey and they've had enough and, oh, God. You are dad, you know, have that, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. And of course, you grew up in, in Middlesbrough. What was that like growing up there? Uh, well, that was hard, uh, yeah. I have to say. Um, very difficult. Uh, I was born in the late 50s. So uh, yeah. uh, you can imagine what racism was like mm. then. We were one of the very few black families in Middlesbrough. And we were the only black family on our estate. Mm-hmm. So that was a, a very difficult time, very difficult. Uh, but you get through it. And when I look back now, uh, I am actually getting more upset now yeah. about racism than I actually did growing through it all. My wife said to me when I did uh, a recent TV program, you know, she said, you got choked up. I've never seen you do, do that. And I said, yeah. no, I don't understand it either. But now, I think it's because people are showing more empathy towards me about what happened back in the day that you, you get emotional yourself. But then it was just the norm. You know, it was just yeah. the norm. I can remember as a six-year-old going to the shops with a note for 10 wood vines from me mum mm. and getting abused by some woman, you know, your, your family should go back to where they came from and all that sort of stuff. And yeah. I, I wasn't thinking, we only live three doors away from you, you know, not yeah. thinking she means, you know, Swaziland or Africa or whatever they call it back in those days. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, it was difficult, but yeah. you can't change the course of history. Yeah, Everything that's happened to me has happened for a reason. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not one of those now yeah. who, you know, who well, look at you now. I mean, on about the past too much. I mean, I look at you now, you're just one of the most loved figures 
in football, like people just can't get enough of you, you know? And I think that's a great thing. Like everyone, when we talk about Chris Kamara, it's just, it brings, I think it just brings a smile to everyone's faces. I mean, my dad just, he'd have Gillette Soccer Saturday on. He wouldn't be too big into football, but he'd, he'd, he'd always wait. He goes, when's Cammy coming on? When's Cammy reporting? <laughs> you know, he just loved it. He'd just wait for you to come up with something hilarious, you know? And I think the rapport between you and Jeff, there was obviously, there was magic there, you know? It, it certainly is. It's not a gift, Al, but it's, it's something that um, you just pinch yourself and wonder how it's happened. Because when mm. people see me, as you quite rightly said, they smile, you know, mm. so it's a great gift to have. Or they shout, unbelievable, Jeff, you know, yeah, or yeah. don't miss that red card, Cammy, or don't miss <laughs> that sending off, you know, or yeah. whatever. And, it, you know, people say, well, God, that was 10 years ago. You had so many more funnies before then. Why did they only remember that? Mm. But that missing that red card took me into mainstream TV, you know. <laughs> so all of a sudden, people have sort of like decided that 2010, outside of football, that is, that's when I was born. Yeah. And, oh, well, listen, you had a, you had a, a, a career that spanned 20 years um, two separate spells at Portsmouth and Swindon. Yeah, and the, Sheffield United. And Sheffield they United. all signed me again because they, they couldn't believe how bad I was the first time. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, you <laughs> and with Leeds as well in, in the first division and the, the Premier League as well when it kind of became the Premier League. What, what was the highlight of your career? And who was the well, best player you ever played against? Uh... When I was a kid, it was my ambition to play for Middlesbrough and my dream to play for Leeds, and I mm. did both. And everyone says, well, you can't have two teams. Well, the reason why I had two teams was growing up, um, Middlesbrough were in the third division. So when I went round my mate's house to watch Match of the Day, you couldn't support Sunderland or Newcastle being mm. from Borough. Yeah. But down the road quite a way down the road, was Leeds United. And they were all conquering team. So I became a Leeds fan. And then, like I said, I had this thing in my head that one day, you know, wouldn't it be great to achieve my ambition and dream? And to do it was just, you know, unreal, mm. to be honest. And people say, what was the best? You were born in Middlesbrough. Was it playing for Borough or was it playing for Leeds? And I'd have to say... Maybe if I'd have scored for Borough, they would have got the edge. But mm. I scored at Ellen Road in front of that crowd that yeah. just adores everyone who puts that white shirt yeah. on. So like, that was the magical moment. So I'm, I'm a Man United fan, and of course, there's a huge rivalry between Man United and Leeds. But my late uncle, who passed away a few months ago, was a huge Leeds fan. Like He just was mad into them, but he never got to see them. Uh, get promoted so I think it's fantastic to have them back in the league as well because there's so much history with that football club um, I mean I, I, there's so many Leeds fans in Ireland actually believe it or not because they grew up with that team in the 70s with Bremner yeah. and obviously Johnny Giles and Don Revy as the manager so there's, there's a lot of great history with that team Oh without a doubt my favourite team uh, Gary Sprake uh, Paul Reaney at right back, mm. centre halves were Norman Hunter and Jack Charlton, oh, left yeah. back Terry Cooper, on the right wing Peter Lorimer, in midfield Johnny Giles and uh, Billy Bremner. Mm. Johnny Giles was my favourite player of all time, 
I have to say, in terms of domestic. Yeah. Uh, on the left wing was Eddie Gray, and up front was Mick Jones and Alan Clark. So that was uh, that was great. I was asked uh, by Gary Newborn to do. Um, uh, I can't remember what the show was called now, but where you look back at your heroes and uh, and stuff like that, and uh, the Johnny Giles one, I really wanted to do, uh, but somehow I, my diary was full, and then Sky stopped doing them. Mm. Uh, but he was a legend, Johnny Giles. Yeah, uh, an absolute legend of the game, big time. Well, you t- you told me about the highlight of your career was scoring at Ellen Road. Am I right in saying that? Uh, well, I had so many highlights, you know, yeah. getting promotion with Leeds, playing yes. in the Premier League with Borough, playing in top division with uh, uh, Sheffield United. Uh, Dave Bassett, he was a great manager as well to play for. Uh, getting promotion with Bradford City, um, mm. uh, which, so like, like I said, it's all fate and the way things work out. Yeah. Getting getting a free transfer from Sheffield United, uh, we got relegated on the last day of the season uh, in the ninety two ninety no sorry ninety three ninety four season with the last kick of the ball uh, goal scored by Mark Steen uh, mm. for Chelsea. We were in sixteenth position that day going into that game, and we mm. got relegated and. Uh, I had another year on my contract if Sheffield United stayed in the Premier League. But by them going down, I got a free transfer, ended up going to Bradford, ended up taking over as manager. So all these things, you know, I'm a big believer in fate happened for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. And who was the best player you ever played against? Uh, Best player I ever played against. Uh, well, I played against Johnny Giles, but not when he was at his peak. Yeah. So, but I remember him dominating the game, mm. and he was player manager of West Brom then. Uh, but the best player I played against was Graham Souness. Uh, yeah. No doubt about that. Uh, played against him quite a few times, and mm. never got a kick basically. And not only was he hard, yeah. he could play. You know, I don't, to be honest, I don't think he really gets the credit he deserves for the mm. ability that he had. Uh, and was one of those players who went and played abroad in Italy uh, yeah. comfortably as well. You know, no no problem at all. Yeah, he was a smashing player. I obviously, I never grew up watching Graham Sionis, but I hear that so, so tough and could play. He was obviously oh, a yeah. vital cog in that Liverpool team. Yeah, very much so. Well, he came to Borough. I didn't know too much about him when he came to Borough. I was a young lad uh, in the Borough Boys then. Mm. And I remember watching him at a place called Hutton Road training. And I just thought, you know, if one day I could be anywhere near as good as him. But no, to be honest, I couldn't clean his boots. Yeah. But obviously, you know, you got Bradford promoted and that was a huge, as in your managerial career, Bradford got promoted, I believe, to the first division. Um, and then you kind of, you left the game after 20, 22, 23 years. And that was when you went into Sky in 1998. Mm. Um, how was that transition for you, kind of leaving the game altogether? Uh, very difficult, I have to yeah. say. Initially, um, like you said, I got Bradford into the championship. And... Uh, Fell out with the chairman, 
Um, mm. To be honest, that that was quite fortunate as well, uh, getting there in the first place. We lost. We played in the playoff final. The old what would be the League One now, League One playoff final to get to the championship, and we played in the semi-final against Big Sam Allardyce's Blackpool. Mm. So they came to um, Valley Parade at Bradford, and they beat us two 0 And no team in the history of the playoffs had come back from a two 0 deficit from the first leg. Certainly not away from home. So uh, I thought that was it. My future was done. That night, I have to say, my wife was magnificent because I thought my football career was over. You know, people talk about how you feel and, you know, the things that go in your mind. And I literally thought, I'm finished with football now. No one will touch me. The chairman will sack me. And to be fair, the chairman had decided to sack me, but not until after the second leg. Mm. So my wife rang my chief scout, and uh, who lived half a mile away from me, and she said, look, I've never seen him like this. You've got to take him out for a beer. So we went out for a beer that, that night, and I, I couldn't get my head around it, how we got battered so much by uh, Blackpool. And then it just clicked. They played two centre-halves, uh, can't remember their name now and big Andy Morrison sitting in front and I had Ian Ormondroyd and when we couldn't play football Bradford the lads used to take the easy option and kick it up towards big Ian Ormondroyd and he'd try and flick it on but he wasn't the best in the world with his back to goal at heading he needed the ball crossed from the side so we sat in that pub that night and we got the glasses the empty glasses, I have to say. And we worked out that none of the players could actually cross the ball unless they were level with the opponent's penalty area. Mm-hmm. And that would take away their strength. And I had to call Ian Ormondroyd in on the Monday and say, look, I'm going to have to leave you out because you're, you're the one that they've played for, uh, that they've done all their work on. Mm. So I I left him out and we won the game at Blackpool 3-0 within the 19 minutes. And uh, I always remember that uh, I didn't see Big Sam after the game Hmm. um, because of, you know, getting carried off to press meetings and stuff like that. And I rang him the next day and uh, I said, uh, you know, sorry I didn't see you last night, Sam. And he went, oh, congratulations. I'm sorry I didn't see you. Uh, and that was it. Anyway, um, about 15 minutes later, I got a phone call from the press at Bradford. said, oh, did you know Big Sam got the sack this morning? And I wouldn't have known with that phone call that he'd got the sack. Yeah. And uh, Owen Oyston, his chairman, was in jail and sacked him from uh, a prison cell. I think that's got to be a first in any... Oh manager's career. Yeah. Um, so so I was fortunate, Al, you know, really fortunate. I knew we'd beat Notts County in the final. Mm. So that was that was fine. We got promotion to the championship. Mm. And then I fell out with the chairman. The chairman was wanting to bring players in. And, you know, instead of me going along with it, which I'm glad I didn't, but in hindsight, if I'd have continued in management, 
and not found Sky along the way, I'd have probably thought, yeah, I should have done that. I should have let him bring the players in that he wanted to bring in. And then, you know, just if they weren't any good or whatever, or they did well, just say, oh, well done. But I couldn't allow that. I was old school yeah. and everything. So he sacked me. I went to my former club, Stoke, went there at the wrong time. Uh, they'd just been beaten two two weeks before, 7-0 at home to mm. Birmingham City. And uh, it wasn't the right time. I made a few mistakes, or, well, more than a few mistakes. Uh, ended up getting the sack, and I fell into the sky from then on. Yeah. So that's 22 years ago. So, 22 years. You know, so I've had a great career. And obviously, I think it was, the, and it was the first kind of idea, it was the, the concept of having a, a reporter at the actual game. So they went with that idea with you being at those games reporting live for Gillette Soccer Saturday. So it was mm. kind of a very unique thing back then. And, you know, obviously every time you came on, you'd, you'd light up the screen. But what, what I think one of the, the best kind of moments of your career for Sky was reporting on the highest scoring Premier League game of all time between Portsmouth and Reading. It ended 7-4. Just guide me through, what was it like that day? Because it was just chaotic, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, it was. It, that game could have been 10-0. Yeah. Uh, uh, David James was in goal for Pompey and Marcus Hanneman was in goal for Reading. It could have been 10-0, but they both made horrific mistakes either side of it. And Jeff kept coming to me, you know, uh, is another goal coming, you know, <laughs> five, four or similar, yeah, six, four, whatever. And I, it, eventually I lost track of the scoreline. Mm. Uh, but as you say, you know, I've so much to thank Pompey for, you know, they bought yeah. me out the Navy for 200 quid. Yeah, they, they started your career there. The worst sorry, deal yeah. in the club's history. Mm. Um, they, uh, they're responsible for not just the highest scoring Premier League game, but missing the red card. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, magical moments. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, and of course, <laughs> of course, you've released two Christmas albums. Last year it was Here's the Christmas, and it was, it was number eight in the, in the album charts, which is fantastic. And then you've released the oh. follow-up. Here's the Christmas and a happy new year this year. What was it like recording those songs? I listened to the album. And, it's brilliant. Ah, oh, thank you. Yeah. Initially, it was daunting. Uh, I did a program called All Together Now, uh, which was Jerry Halliwell was one of the judges and Rob Beckett mm. uh, was the host. And it's a 100 cabaret singers. And you go on and you sing a song and after 30 seconds, if they like it, the cabaret singers and that, they join in and stand up. And that's how many votes you get. Mm. So my agent rings me and says, do you want to go on it? And I said, yeah. He knows I like to sing. Um, <laughs> so I said, yeah, no danger. What do you want to sing? I said, Brown Eyed Girl, all day long. After 30 seconds, they'll all join in with the la-la-las. They'll all stand up. Went to the uh, company that produced it. And they said, oh, sorry, but we've got too many people singing sing-along song. Will he do a ballad? So he said to me, will you do a ballad? I went, no chance, no chance. He went, why? I said, because they won't stand up. 
Uh, and he went, it's not like you. You normally do these things for a laugh. And I went, oh, yeah, you're right. So I said, okay, if it's a ballad, my hero, Elton John, you're some. I sang that once in a bar in Ireland uh, in front of my Leeds teammates. So that was my go-to song because he was uh, my hero. So he spoke to the production company and they said, yeah, fine. I sang that uh, in front of the 100. Adam Greenup from Silver Screen Records is sat at home watching me do that song and thinks my voice would be perfect to sing with a 22-piece big band in the swing style and a conductor and the rest, like you said, two albums in yeah. is history. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, listen, I just want to get to as well, the last question I have for you. It's been a crazy season so far. Um, it's nuts. You know, there's... The gap between the, the top six, the top ten even, is just so tight. Um, and I think it is due to no fans being in the stadium that it's kind of, it's an exciting one this season. What's your predictions this year? Who, who do you think is going to run away with the, with the league title this year? No one's going to run away with it, that's for no, sure. No, sorry, no uh, one's going to run. Who's <laughs> go, yeah, who's going to win it by a tight margin? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I wish I knew. You know, uh, I think... Spurs, we would all have been talking Spurs mm. if Liverpool hadn't scored that late goal the other day. Um, Jose did his usual uh, keep it cagey and everything else like that, mm. keep it really tight, catch Liverpool on the break. And the thing that didn't work for him this time, they didn't take their chances. You yeah. know, 99 times out of 100, Harry Kane scores that header. Yeah. End of, you know, that game would have been over. Um, so I'm not sure. I'm really not yeah. sure. It's weird, Al. It's weird. It's a weird one, I'm yeah. going to games on a Saturday, albeit not Premier League games, um, championship games, and I feel for the players. I really yeah. do. You know, it, the silence is eerie. Yeah. You know, the opposition come and get changed either in a porter cabin or in some dressing rooms at the opposite side of the ground yeah, to the players no who uh, uh, are the home team. They arrive on two lots of coaches, so they can't even have banter together uh, mm. as a team when they get there. They arrive there, they go out for a warm-up. It's eerie silence as well. They can't mix with the opposition. You know, normally you'd have a chat with an ex-teammate of yours. Mm. No, that's not allowed anymore. You know, it's weird. And then they kick off and it's, there's just no atmosphere. I I don't get the buzz. I really don't get the buzz now because people have been saying, oh, been watching you on Soccer Saturday. Is there something wrong with you? Well, no, I can't yeah. fake these things. I can get overexcited because I'm a fan, you know, and I'm trying to be, you know, you're a Man United fan. If Man United are playing Leeds, I will get ex- excited about Man United as I will about Leeds because that's the game, if it's yeah. a good game. If it's dead and it's rubbish and there's only two shots on target in the whole game, yeah. then I can't get excited. Yeah. And you look at the Manchester Derby last week as well, like, you know, a nil-all stalemate oh. draw, you know, so, yeah. Speak, you can imagine, speak though, volumes. with the atmosphere and that, it would have taken on a new turn, you know. Yeah. 
there's not many Premier League games with a full house that you look at and you think, oh God, you know, yeah. what a load of rubbish that was. There, there isn't, no. you know, any of the top team. There's always something or normally something to get you excited. Yeah. Well, Cammy, I just want to end it with just, we have time for a little impression round here, if that's okay. Um, these are these are a couple of impressions in tribute to to Cammy himself. I'm going to end it with your pal Jeff. So we we'll start off with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Of course, absolutely, Cammy, you're a fantastic individual. Love, <laughs> love watching you on Soccer Saturday. It's fantastic. I'm all about positivity. I want to I want to chime in as Jose. I think Cammy, you are fantastic. Brilliant. <laughs> Very good. I when we, when we have to play on a Sunday or maybe Monday night football, I sit down and I watch you. I think you are brilliant. <laughs> Another man who enjoyed who, who, who enjoyed uh, Cammy when he was in England uh, was Louis Van Gaal. I have to say, Cammy, you and I are very similar in terms of how we act. <laughs> I mean, if you remember me against the Arsenal when I fell on my back to the referee, wasn't that uh, a brilliant thing? Yes, yes. <laughs> Some Hollywood stars. Oh, Robert De Niro, you know this guy. This guy's hilarious. You know the, <laughs> you know the, you know. I think the Spurs team—they're fighting like beavers. Remember that? Remember that? Remember that? Remember that? <laughs> Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci. He's a big fan as well. Let me tell you something, Cammy. You're fucking brilliant. Are we okay to swear? Are we all right? Let me tell you. But I'll tell you one thing, Cammy. You may be the Christmas guy, but I'm the furthest thing from the Christmas guy. I fucking hate those Home Alone movies that I was in. Everybody talks to me about them. I fucking hate them. I can't stand them. I really can't. I want, I want to bring in Al Pacino as well. Cammy, hoo-ha, you're the man. <laughs> Gordon Ramsay as well. Cammy, Gordon Ramsay here. Fantastic. Love you every Saturday. It's brilliant. Brightens up my fucking day. You know, fantastic. Love it. Uh, Donald Trump, you know what? I want to say, Cammy, you are a fantastic. What a wonderful guy. Great guy. Makes us all laugh. Cracks us up every Saturday afternoon. Him, Jeff, and the guys. They're really great. They really are. Conor McGregor here. What's up, Cammy? How are you, sir? Very big fan of yours. <laughs> Very big fan, sir. I've got four more Cammy and we're nearly done. <laughs> I'm Mike Tyson here. I'm just the biggest fan of Cammy. I think he's so funny, man. You, know, you, tickle my, you tickle my funny bone every time I see you on soccer. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> Uh, the Tyson Fury here. I want to say, Cammy, you're a fantastic. You're brilliant. I love you. You're fantastic. Really <laughs> fantastic. You crack me up every weekend. Uh, Chris, you back here. Hello, Cammy. How are you? Are you good? <laughs> oh, I couldn't be any better. <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> oh, man, man. I forgot Eddie Murphy is a man. I love Cammy, man. He's a comedian like me, man. I love him. <laughs> <laughs> And we're going to end it with Jeff. Cammy, it is Chris Kamara. How are you doing on this Christmas day? I believe you have to go to Sheffield Wednesday to report on the game today. How are you, Cammy? Are you feeling good? Uh, couldn't be any better, Jeff. As you know, you are unbelievable, Jeff. <laughs> you shouldn't have told that story about us in Japan, Cammy. <laughs> I can't believe I you did that. <laughs> he should have got arrested. <laughs> um, Chris Kamara, you are an absolute legend. Um, 
a, me- a happy Christmas to you as well. And your and your album, your new album, and a happy new year is available now on all of the oh, platforms on iTunes, Spotify, everything. So I suggest guys you give it a listen. It's a brilliant album and it lifts the mood after a pretty mundane year. And no better man to do it than you, Cami. Oh, thanks, Al. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Pleasure. And, uh, I've admired your work. Uh, some of those voices are amazing. <laughs> uh, I, I regularly speak to Jose. Um, me and him get on like a house on fire. So yeah. if you rang me pretending <laughs> to be him, I would have fell for that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Cammy. Look, you're a legend. Thank you so much for, for coming on. This is the, the CatCast 2020 uh, thank you for hosting us, the Al Foran podcast, with the legend himself, Chris Kamara. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Al. Thank you. Build your own unique bets and get the odds instantly with Betfred's Pick Your Punt Builder. Corners, cards, goal scorer, and more. They've got them all. Download the Betfred app to build your own unique bets with instant odds. 18 plus BeGambleAware.org. Singles only. Pick Your Punt Builder is available on selected matches at Betfred's discretion. Visit Betfred.com promotions for more information and for full terms and conditions.